0: Brilliant, fantastic. It's great to be with you uh, again this afternoon. Uh, Today we're going to be thinking through the next kind of core value that we want Kenilworth Community Church to embody. uh, That of practical love in action, caring for uh, our neighbours, loving them, uh, social action, social uh, concern. Uh, We want Kenilworth Community Church to be a place where we care for one another inside the church. But we also want it to be a place where we care for others uh, outside the church. I, I guess controlling our thought is what we read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, where the Apostle Paul writes, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially, he says, those who belong to the family of believers. So we, even if here we do see a relative priority of love and concern for friends inside the church, that in no way suggests that we should fail to discharge the debt that we owe our neighbours, to love them as we love ourselves, to, to do good as and when we have the opportunity. That's what Paul is urging us to. Uh, and we're going to think about that kind of theme today. And to get us started, we're going to uh, read some familiar words from the Lord Jesus, from Luke uh, chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through to 37. So do, if you have a Bible, either open it, uh, upload it, or, or physically uh, open it with me to Luke uh, chapter 10. Uh, And let's read these words of the Lord Jesus. Luke uh, chapter 10, beginning to read from verse 25. We read here, On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, Then he put the man in his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. When I was uh, in University Halls of Residence in my first year, uh, way back uh, now in, uh, in the day, I lived next door to uh, a guy called Charlie. Uh, now, Charlie uh, was my neighbor in Halls, uh, and um, he enjoyed playing his music exceptionally loud through the walls of our Halls of Residence. And when I say playing his music, what, what I mean was he seemed to only have one album, because he used to play it all the time. He seemed only to have a copy of the greatest hits of Duran Duran. Now, if you've never heard of Duran Duran, you can Google them later, folks, if you're of a certain generation. That will mean nothing to you. Um, And in fact, I say he enjoyed playing the album. That's not entirely true. He actually enjoyed playing the same four songs on the album again and again and again. So imagine the scene one night. I'm tucked up in bed because I'm a good boy, uh, nice and early, uh, and Charlie stumbles back from the pub at some unearthly hour in the morning and whacks on Duran Duran, and I'm woken up to the sound of Ordinary world blasting uh, through my walls. Now, why am I telling you this? Well, simply to illustrate the point that it's not always easy to love our neighbours. Uh, but although it's not always easy, it is crucially important. We read in these verses that one day an expert in the law, verse 25, a, a religious professional, arrives to test Jesus. He seems to have slightly mixed motives in his approach. But he asks Jesus a great question, verse 25. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, and Jesus draws this expert on to answer his own question in, in terms of the importance of keeping God's law. And particularly the two greatest commandments at the heart of the law, verse 27. The command to love God with everything we have, uh, but also the command to love our neighbours as ourselves. Did you notice that? These two commands are linked together, Jesus said. So it's not like we can say, well, I kind of love God. I don't really have to love my neighbor. I'm kind of, I'm into the loving God thing. I'm not really into the loving my neighbor thing. It doesn't work that way. These commands belong together. And actually, we can't say we love God if we don't love our neighbor. Failure to do the second raises a profound question about the reality of the first. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and thing. That is how important loving our neighbour is. It's on a par, it's parallel with loving God. This is no minor thing Jesus is speaking about, is it? Uh, And these two commands sum up the pattern of Old Testament religion, uh, but also speak to God's people in the New Testament too. The command still endures to love God and to love our neighbour. And our task this morning is to try and dig out a little bit what that means to love our neighbours. But notice the story continues, this religious expert isn't yet satisfied with the answer Jesus gives. Verse 29 tells us he wants in some way to justify himself before Jesus. Establishing his pucker credentials in one way or another, impressing Jesus with his learning. So he asks a follow-up question, verse 29. And who is my neighbour? Now, note, the man is thinking in terms of people who are neighbour and people who aren't his neighbour. That's why he, he wants the clarification. He, he seems to see the world in black and white terms. People who are his neighbour, and therefore presumably should be loved, and people who aren't his neighbour. Implication who shouldn't be loved. People who he kind of wants to know who, who I should embrace and who I should keep at arm's length. And Jesus needs to do some work on this man's heart to, to clarify that perspective, to, to deal with that fundamental failure, to, to grasp that we can't divide the world into neighbors and not neighbors. Everyone is potentially a neighbor to us. And uh, We need to shift from thinking about who's in and who's out to actually being neighbors to those God puts across our path. That's what Jesus needs to teach this man. And he does that through the story, familiar to many of us, I'm sure, of the Good Samaritan. And as I say, maybe we've heard this story many times. Maybe we grew up in church, hearing it from week by week in Sunday school. But we need to try and kind of hear it afresh this evening. Because it's a story that's meant to shock us in profound ways and to disturb us in all sorts of ways. It's a story, verse 30, of a certain Jewish man who undertakes a journey from Jerusalem, we read, to Jericho. So what? Well, in Jesus' day, that route was a bit of a notorious one. So it wouldn't have been a bolt out of the blue for the man to be attacked by robbers who, who, who leave him for dead. It's kind of like the no-go area of the day. Uh, when I was uh, a student in Southampton, uh, the no-go area in my day was the Flowers Estate. If there was an inappropriately named estate, it was the Flowers Estate. Uh, apparently, I did it this morning, it, uh, it, if you Google the Flowers Estate Southampton, this is the first picture that comes up. <laughs> it's mildly worrying, isn't it? This is the second picture that comes up. Uh, And this is the third picture that comes up. I'm not saying anything about it now. I haven't been there for a good few years. But um, in my day as a student, it wasn't a safe place to go, kind of like the road from Jericho, uh, from Jerusalem rather, down uh, to Jericho. Let's go back. So while it's not surprising that the man is attacked and left for dead, what is surprising is the complete lack of care from two of this man's fellow countrymen. Religious people, too. We we read in the story next of a priest and then a Levite. In turn, seeing the man in need and passing by on the other side of the road, spectacularly failing to come to this man's need. It's kind of like seeing your church minister walking down the road and then watching them as they kind of avoid the person who's clearly in need on the street and pass by on the other side. It's just not the kind of thing you expect religious people, self-respecting people to do, but this is what these two characters in the story do. And yet, against all the cultural expectations of Jesus' day, it is a Samaritan who helps this man. The Samaritans were the outsiders, they were the profound social enemies of the Jewish people. But we read verse 30, a Samaritan, you can you almost hear the intake, the hiss of breath. And Jesus here as, as they re- hear these words, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. It's kind of an unimaginable scenario. It's kind of like a, a Palestinian in the West Bank moving to help an Israeli soldier if they've been attacked and if they're in need and wounded in some way. We kind of just can't imagine that kind of scenario unfolding. And it's kind of like that shock value here in the story. And a great expense. This Samaritan, we read, goes the extra mile. He he steps up to the plate and meets the man's need. He rescues him. He rolls his sleeves up. He gets his hand dirty. He opens his wallet. He puts the man up in a nice hotel where he can recover from this awful ordeal that he's gone through. And that is not what Jesus' audience would be expecting. His behavior shames the behavior of the Jewish characters in Jesus' story. And in conclusion, Jesus asks the simple question, verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? That's kind of an easy question. I think I'd be able to answer that one. And the man gets it right, verse 37. Well, the one who had mercy, of course he's the neighbor. And so exactly, Jesus urges, verse 37, go and do likewise. In other words, stop trying to divide the world into neighbor uh, and not neighbor. (coughs) Neighbors can be found in surprising places. So get busy being a good neighbor, meeting the needs of people, having mercy on the broken around you. Even when that's costly, maybe especially if that's costly. Maybe especially if that involves reaching out to surprising people across boundaries that otherwise would keep you apart. Those are some of the things Jesus says it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. So what might that mean for all of us then as Kenilworth Community Church? Well, I think it raises two things we need to think about and we'll discuss this in the in the groups in a bit more detail in a few moments, but it, it has implications for how we love our neighbors as a whole church community. Because the, the, the challenge here is to find ways as a whole church community to love our neighbors, to care and, and show compassion to those around us. That will inevitably depend on who is, mem- who is a member here of the church, their, their gifts, their passions, their location, their interest, their time availability, their skill set, their heartbeat. It might vary depending on whether we use these premises for the next three years, or whether we end up moving somewhere else if we grow, and, and all those kind of. So I don't have any kind of nailed-on examples of what it might mean for us, but but it could involve things like setting up a toddler group if there's not one happening, so we can provide protection and uh, sorry, provide uh, connection and support and encouragement for for parents and carers as well as their toddlers. That's the kind of thing it might mean. That's one example.
1: Or maybe loving our neighbours
0: as ourselves as a church community it would involve hosting a cap worker or working in partnership with Christians Against Poverty who really want to work with local churches to provide debt counselling and employment advice and, and help with addictions. It might mean we can partner with that kind of organisation and draw on their expertise and together seek to bless and love and care for our neighbours. It might mean that we want to provide English lessons for asylum seekers uh, as they move into Canalworth so they can learn key skills to help them flourish in a new environment. It might mean things like organising a litter pick around the local environment here in Kenilworth to make it look more attractive and pretty, raising the quality of life in a street or a district, I don't know. It might mean things like committing to find a number of potential adoptive parents in this church community, so that we can serve vulnerable children together and support each other in this amazing, crucial ministry. Those are just five examples off the top of my head. What it might mean for us as a church community to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, I'm not saying we have to do or we will necessarily do all those things. I'm I'm just raising those examples of the kind of things that the Lord might call us to in 5, 10, 15 years. Who knows? Now, we need to say sometimes it might be better to join in with what's already going on in the town. It might be more strategic rather than to start something new off our own back. It might be better to join in with stuff that's already going on from time to time. We might have less resources financially in the early days. We might have less people resources in the early days. So it might make more sense to join in with what's already happening, to send two or three of us to go and lead a brownie pack, or join in with that kind of thing happening locally, for for example. We don't always have to start stuff from scratch as Christians. We're slightly allergic to kind of hooking up with other people sometimes. And I'm not persuaded that's always a good or a wise uh, thing. But those are some examples, I think, of what it might mean to, in the words of 1 Peter, live such good lives among people who aren't yet Christians that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they might see our good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. That's what it might mean for us as a whole church community to love our neighbours as ourselves. Uh, And secondly and finally, it might mean uh, as individual Christians um, being concerned to take notes in a school class if one of our friends is ill so they don't fall too far behind. That's a great example of loving your neighbour as yourself. Or it might mean doing the shopping for an elderly neighbour if they're frail and it's like today, icy and snowy on the roads. It might mean volunteering locally to join a Samaritan phone counselling service. Or cooking a meal for the new parents down the road. Or, Or welcoming people as they move into your street with a card, a bunch of flowers and a care package. It might mean being a faithful, trustworthy, reliable person who keeps promises and does what you say you'll do for people around you. In those and in many more ways, we're called to love our neighbours as ourselves. as the people of God, as we're scattered and dispersed across Kenilworth, across Leamington, Coventry, and the surrounding areas, we're called to let our light shine before others, so that they maybe will praise God one day themselves. So we're saying we'll think about this issue of kind of care and and justice more deliberately in the midweek Gospel in Life course. We'll get to that theme in a couple of weeks' time. So, if this has piqued some interest and you haven't yet plugged into it, do make sure to note that Gospel in Life course in the home groups that Wayne was mentioning at the beginning. And we'll come back to this uh, issue uh, there. But we need to go back and just notice something uh, right at the end, again, back in Luke uh, chapter 10. Because if we're being honest, the things that we're being called to here are really hard, aren't they? They can be difficult, they can be exposing, they can be challenging. We need help and and encouragement to keep on loving our neighbours as ourselves. I think we can begin to do this by remembering that being a good neighbour, showing mercy, having pity on the broken, that is exactly what Jesus is all about. Because actually, he is the ultimate good Samaritan. He's the one who got his hands dirty when he reached out to us, when, when he came to our aid He didn't walk by and leave us in the gutter where we were. But he reached out to us, at great cost to himself, leaving the glory of heaven, entering our world, being born in obscurity in the back end of nowhere, ultimately laying down his life for us on the cross, bearing that guilt and penalty and curse that is ours by rights, so that because of him we might live today. See, Jesus has mercy on us when we don't deserve it. He could have crossed by on the other side of the road and left us there, but he didn't. He really is the good Samaritan. And as we experience and enjoy and taste more of that in our own lives, then that begins to well up and flow out and embrace others as well. I'm not sure I was a particularly good neighbor to Charlie uh, in halls of residence. If I could have my time again, I'd probably be more patient with his ordinary world music. But we're called all of us in every way to be good neighbors, to all sorts of people around us. We're not to divide people into neighbor uh, and not neighbor. That's the wrong category. That's instinctive and easy, but, but but it's not what Jesus is calling us to here. He calls us to be willing to show mercy to any and all around us who are in need. Maybe crossing a boundary to do that. Maybe defying expectation to do that. Maybe even taking a risk. To do that. But since loving our neighbor is so important. Since Jesus has acted in that way when he reached out to us. Well that makes complete sense. (coughs) Jesus said verse 36. Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him go and do likewise. That's What Jesus said all those years ago. It's what Jesus still says today. So let's go and do it. Wouldn't I pray, and then we'll have a chance to earth that and push that home and discuss that together, bat it around in our uh, table groups in a moment, uh, and I'll give you some questions to think about. Um, but let me pray for us that we'll hear and respond to God's word together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful story of the Good Samaritan. Thank you for how it challenges us so deeply to be willing to love our neighbours as ourselves, even when that goes against the grain, even when that might be costly in some way or another, even when that might be difficult and exposing. Please help us to find help and hope and resources to do this in remembering just how Jesus has served us first. And because we know he is the good Samaritan, May he help us to be good Samaritans in our own way, in our own lives, individually and together as a church as we seek to start in the uh, weeks to come. Please help us with these things, we pray, that we would be a church that always loves you with everything we are and always loves our neighbor as ourselves. Recognizing those two commands belong together. We can't have one without the other. Lord, please help us, we ask, for your glorious son's precious name, his fame and his praise in this town. Amen.